0: Welcome to episode 35 of Awesome Etiquette. This week, we're talking grad gifts and conversation etiquette. We have a special email from a proud mama listener, and in honor of it, and our Train the Trainer program that just wrapped, we're going to talk children's etiquette in our postscript. All that and more coming up on Awesome Etiquette.
1: Awesome Etiquette comes to you from the studios of Vermont Public Radio and is proud to be part of the Infinite Guest Network from American Public Media. I'm Lizzie Post.
0: And I'm Dan Post-Senning from the Emily Post Institute.
1: Well, man, I'm still recovering. It's, <laughs> last week, Dan and I were a part of our children's business and wedding etiquette train-the-trainer programs, which we host here twice a year. And it is a it is six days of training uh, straight. The
0: Posts <laughs> Play Host. The Posts <laughs> Play
1: Host. And it is... It's a lot of fun, man. People come from all over the world to come and learn how to teach business and children's etiquette and how to better understand wedding etiquette so that they can really facilitate great relationships with their wedding clients. Mm. And it is, man, you meet the most fascinating people that come here. They're all really enthusiastic about Emily Post and etiquette. They want to, I mean, just like you (laughs) are listeners. They actually want to hear about etiquette. <laughs> it's
0: it's like almost a little mini convention, convention of etiquette aficionados. It is,
1: and it's <laughs> true it's, believers. It's
0: true believers indeed, and uh, to t- to get a group of people who are that committed to to etiquette and and even the traditions. Specifically of Emily Post, the, the term "kindred spirit" I think is often overused. I think
1: it's there. <laughs> this is one of
0: those places where you're you're, you're likely to find a kindred spirit you if are. this is your passion. And
1: and I think it's always so exciting because just like our listeners who keep writing in and saying, you know, oh, it's so great that you guys are so accessible and realistic. I love it when the trainers come in and on day one of the training, they really learn that, you know, we talk about etiquette being about consideration, respect, and honesty. We have a five-step process for solving relationship problems or just problems. (laughs) We have, you know, three goals that are very simple, very tight. And all of a sudden, this whole idea of you know, a 600 page book of rules is out the window and they're focused on this amazing ability that they now have to teach people how to better solve their problems. And it's like, it's like this giant light bulb over everybody's head, and it just stays on bright and shiny after day one.
0: Well, And, and I hear you say 600-page book of rules, and just even the word giant before a light bulb, and I think about the manual, this yeah. D-ring binder that's three and a half inches over 600 pages, our leader guide. Our
1: leader, that, that, gu- our, our manual for the program is kind of insane. Takes you
0: through <laughs> the, the, the teachings or step-by-step, and it's really a curriculum-building tool. And it, it could be so daunting. It could be so scary in the same way that Emily's big book could be so scary if it were only— Only rules, and really those those guiding principles that that framework of consideration, respect, and honesty does boy it gives you a ship (laughs) to to navigate that sea on and. it's it's our guide here on this program, and it's really it is a treat to share that with people and to listen I, to your father.
1: Oh, I know. <laughs> Send Dad. them
0: forth. One of my favorite parts of the training I have to mention is the the big dinner that we all have, and um, I know it's Pooja's favorite part. She loves to come along to that. She's looking looks forward to it now, and not just because it's at the kitchen table. I know, table. and they didn't. <laughs> did, did, did,
1: after okay, I don't get how this happened, but I'm totally I'm totally throwing our coworkers under the bus in this moment. Dan and I are obsessed with this one dish at the kitchen table, which is their the muscles. muscles, and so is Peter, and so is my sister, Anna. And somehow, who they will be named nameless, <laughs> but the powers that be that booked the dinner after hearing how much we loved the muscles and getting them on the menu last year. Decided not to put them on. I was like, "Are you kidding me?" The entire family wants those mussels. What are you doing? It was kind of funny.
0: Mussels aside, fish was delicious. <laughs> the fish was delicious, and as always, the toast was gracious. And yeah. the same way, I look forward to your father's toasts on holidays. I look forward to that toast on Train the Trainer because it is, um, it makes it a bit of a family affair. And and I it do is think a family it's...
1: affair. I mean, we start out from the beginning. We welcome them into the family, and that's really what it is. Mm-hmm. It's you know. It, It's a big deal to us that this is what our family represents. This is not like a small thing. It's not just like, oh, yeah, it's what I was born into, whatever, my great-great-grandmother was famous. It's actually something that the whole family has built upon generation after generation and that I know our generation and I know my father's generation is very proud of where they've brought Emily Post etiquette to and how they've been able to keep it going over the years. And to have people that wanna be a part of that, it's not just like fans jumping up and down who are just Emily Post geeks. It's like they are really genuine hearted people who wanna go out there, who see how this makes a difference. And they want it to be a part of their communities, so much so that they're willing to teach it. Yeah. And that's a huge deal. I mean, they really are becoming part of the family that
0: year. It's, it's funny. It is it is a treat to, to share this particular tradition. Yeah. And it's one of the things I like so much about this podcast and that I appreciate so much about um, all of you, all of our listeners out there who, who join us every week because it really it is a treat to yeah. share this. And, um <laughs> Uh, It's an honor and a privilege, so thank you to all the trainers that made their way to Vermont to spend some time with us, and thanks to all of you for taking a little time out of your week to spend some time with us.
1: Well, let's make that time valuable, and let's answer some of our listeners' questions. It's
0: a great idea. You're right. There's so much to learn how to do. Sure, there's a lot to learn, but it's worth it. And learning is easy. One way is by watching others.
1: On every episode of Awesome Etiquette, we take your questions on how to behave, so let's get started. All right, this is definitely going to be a popular question this time of year. What is the etiquette if you get an invitation to a dual graduation party if one is family and you don't know the other, and by other she means the honorees? Are you obligated to give a gift to the one you don't know? Sincerely, Kelsey
0: graduation season it's graduation <laughs> season and graduation parties tend to line up on similar days they happen in one of two or three weekends yeah <laughs> each isn't <year>. it funny <laughs> <laughs> you could almost count on it <laughs> Um, the, the, the big picture point of etiquette here is that a, a, an invitation to a graduation party doesn't necessarily carry an obligation to bring a gift. Correct. Um, it's always a good idea to RSVP quickly. It's a really nice gesture to send a card. Uh, that's sort of a, a, a minimum etiquette. Uh, role yeah. <laughs> that you could play it's 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 not absolutely required but it's a really nice thing to do yeah i think um,
1: I, I would say a card at the minimum i think it would be a little strange to walk into a party without at least something that isn't just only your verbal words i mean it's not mandatory but
0: i can get on board with that <laughs> i think something would be good <laughs> um but but how to handle this particular situation where you know one of the honorees much better than you know the other. Um, I would bring a gift for the one that you know and a card for the one that you don't.
1: I think that sounds great. And I wouldn't worry about the kid that you don't know feeling slighted or anything because I think it would be strange for that kid to get a gift from someone they don't know. It's it's like, oh, thank you. That's so nice but (laughs) not, you know?
0: You don't make a big deal of giving the gift in front of the other graduate. No, right, right, right. Um, Show a little bit of discretion. uh, Choose your moment wisely.
1: Yeah, these kids are probably expecting to see gifts come in for one or the other, that
0: Mm -hmm. sort of a thing. It certainly wouldn't be rude to bring a little something for both of them if you felt inspired to do that also.
1: And that also brings up a good point. Just because you don't have to bring a gift doesn't mean you can't bring a gift. If you would really like to give a gift to the graduate, by all means, go for it. Also, know that when you get an announcement for a graduation, it also does not um imply any gift or or card even it's just letting you know it's just that thing where a way to share the good news family is letting <laughs> letting family and friends know that this person did graduate and that it was a really happy time and for somet- their family
0: Sometimes we get the question at the MPLS is it okay to send announcements to people and and we say yes, yes it absolutely, absolutely is because it it doesn't necessarily carry that that obligation to reply with a gift so yeah. feel free to to share the good news <laughs> Each week, Lizzie Post puts together a script for our show, and she has titled this next question, You're Fine, How Am I? (laughs) This question begins, First, I listen to your podcast regularly, and thank you for all the good advice. I wish more people I know would tune into your show. So my question, I am a pretty friendly guy at work. I smile and ask how anyone is doing. There are two women in particular I see and work with them very closely on a daily basis. I greet them with a good morning every day, and periodically I'll ask how they're doing, spark small talk, or give them a compliment. My compliments are usually pretty generic, but always sincere. You look very nice today, or that's a nice article of clothing you're wearing. It makes me happy, knowing I am maybe making them feel good in some way. I am in no way interested in them romantically. The problem is, they never ask how I am doing or feeling, or return any sort of compliment, or bother to get to know me. It hurts me a little bit, but it's not a big deal, as that is not the reason I speak to them. Sometimes, I feel like maybe I'm just wasting my time by being friendly with these two. I don't want to stop, but I don't want to continue with any futile efforts at trying to build a work relationship if it's not a mutual feeling. What should I do? Oh, and I am somewhat new to the company. I've been with them for about six months now. I think the awkward newness has worn off already. Sincerely, Alex C.
1: This is a tough one, and this is one of those ones where, um Alex has actually already recognized the advice that we would give in this. He says, you know, that well, i it does hurt me a little bit, but I don't. It's not a big deal. I don't want to stop., yep. um, and that's kind of that tough place to be in because it's a it's a big enough deal that you wrote in your question. Mm-hmm. But you also recognize that, you know, it's not a big enough deal that, you know oh i really feel slighted and i want to have a big out with them about it yeah. and i agree i don't think that he should call these ladies out on it i think this is one of those times where you just continue being your most polite self and some of the world is going to accept it and some of the world isn't and some of the world is going to jump right on board and say i want to be your friend and some of the world just isn't and i think yeah. it's it's just tough and it's a little annoying you also you know just like we say to the people who always um Cancel on a host for a dinner party, that sort of thing. You do get to choose. And I understand that you've you've told us you don't want to stop. But I think I would pull back. I would just say good morning to them. I wouldn't comment on their clothing all the time. And um, I wouldn't, you know, also, I, I do think it's a little, you have to be careful about always choosing to comment on someone's looks, how they're looking, that I do think it's important sometimes to comment on the good work that they're doing or something like that. Just And I'm sure you probably do when it's appropriate. But um, especially from a man to a woman, it can often make a woman, especially in the workplace, feel like it's about her looks. And that doesn't matter if you're attracted to her or not. It's just this is just a thing. From the Women's Live movement that I remember watching a number of documentaries on, that came up a lot. <laughs>
0: well, one of the great tests you can always apply to yourself is do I offer the same compliment to the men that I work with as closely yeah. and, um, or, or to someone of any gender? Would I be comfortable saying that exact same thing? And not just would I be comfortable, but do I? Do I actually do it? <laughs> and yep. and if you don't, then yep. I, I I love what you were just saying. Compliment someone on their work. Compliment them on their their abilities and their actions, as yeah. well as their appearance.
1: Yeah, just just make sure to spread it around a little bit. But you know, I I think I personally, if I were you, and they are just never responding, never reciprocating, I just dial it back. I dial it back to a good morning, how are you today, and that's it. And you know, it's more kind of a passing nicety than it is anything
0: else. I, I would so agree with that. To regulate your interaction based on what you're hearing from other people, and I, I would conclude. Um, Lizzie and Mai's answer with a reminder that you are in such good territory here. Um, in our business etiquette training, we tell people to harness the power of the compliment, to do it well, and to do it consistently, and to keep it up. Never doubt the power of the sincere compliment, and I like how you focused on sincerity there because that's important, and you want to feel good about it. I think it's why it's important to continue to respond to what you're what you're getting. But it's it's powerful beyond just how it impacts that relationship, Um the power of, of expressing gratitude and of complimenting people is also in the mindset that it engenders in you. And you really want to hold on to and maintain yeah. that positive mindset. We never
1: say turn it around and stop.
0: It's going to make you the person that people appreciate being around. Yeah. And and the, the, the benefits that come from that are professional and personal. So, so do keep it up. Take heart. And don't be dissuaded <laughs> by an occasional um, cool response.
1: Yeah. I like this next question because it's um, it, it feels futuristic to me, you know? It's like something that you would have seen on the Jetsons when you were a little kid. All right. Hi, Dan and Lizzie. Love your podcast. The topics are fun, and you both make me laugh. One of my clients has a treadmill desk. When he invites me into his office, he often remains on the treadmill walking as we talk. Should I remain standing? It feels weird to sit while he is walking. However, if I keep standing, I feel like I'm hovering uncomfortably. Advice, please. Thanks, A. This cracks me up just because it's like... It is such an etiquette question. It's such a weird place (laughs) to be getting an etiquette question. And I love it because it's like people ask us all the time, well, how do you come up with new etiquette? This is how. New situation, what's going to be most courteous? I think it's about making the people in your office feel comfortable. So I, personally, if I encountered you on a treadmill desk, <laughs> I, want a treadmill I, desk. <laughs> I would sit down on your couch just like I always do. You know, it's yeah. like I I think that you do what's going to make you more comfortable. If it's more comfortable for you to stand because your client is standing and walking in place on a treadmill <laughs> at his desk, then I think that you should stand. Um, wouldn't often to get on the treadmill and go for a walk with him. But um, I think if you feel nice. more comfortable sitting, I would take the seat.
0: Yeah. yeah. My answer is it, it depends. How long are you staying? What are you doing? How's your stamina? But yeah, yeah what's going to be comfortable? What makes sense for everybody? If you're sitting, can you still maintain eye contact and yeah. interact with the person or does that take you out of the picture somehow? Yeah. Um... There's a, This reminds me of something I learned in, in a business training years ago, that if you want to keep people moving, if you want to get them out of your office, stand up every time they come in. Because it does. It raises this question. It's hard for someone else to sit down if you're standing up. you're standing
1: up. up. And it, I, also, it also instigates that feeling that you're about to leave because you're not in the room that you're spending time in, you aren't seated, and you're not, like, settled into exactly. the room.
0: I think a treadmill desk is going to kind of waive that a little yeah. bit. We're going to sort of treat that as sit standing yeah I think
1: that's I think it's truly a, that that if you if you have a treadmill desk you should invite your guest who comes into your office to be as comfortable to do whatever makes them feel comfortable yep. to say please have a seat if you like or if you want to you know stand <laughs> <laughs> walk in place with me joke or you know you could make a joke about it that you understand it's a little awkward and a little different and you could even say something like you know hey I hope you don't mind I'm going to continue to walk on my treadmill or I'm going to continue to walk while we go through this meeting.
0: You make a really good point. Whenever you're an early adopter or someone yeah. who's uh, bringing Back a new technology or new device into, you're a bit of an ambassador, and it's up to you to, yeah. to help set the standard, help other people know what, what your expectations are. Please take a seat. This is going to be a second. Don't mind if I keep walking.
1: Right. Exactly. <laughs> so anyway, good luck with that, and we hope that you can find a way to be comfortable during these meetings.
0: Our next question begins, Dear Lizzie and Dan, my name is Michael. I was wondering if you could help me with an etiquette question, which I have struggled with ever since I moved to the United States from Russia many, many moons ago. You see, every time I introduce myself to somebody new and disclose to them that I am originally from the old Soviet bloc, more often than not, the next thing that I usually hear is some variation of a Russian stereotype or an off-color joke. Something like, oh, you're from Russia. It must be really cold there. (laughs) Or, oh, you're from Russia. You must really like vodka. Or my favorite, oh, you're from Russia. Do bears really ride unicycles there? Darn you, family guy. I understand that that is their attempt to connect with me on a personal level, and I do appreciate the effort. But after hearing it over and over again, I'm getting tired of simply laughing it off and pivoting the conversation. Do you think that I should continue to do things business as usual, or should I instead express to them in a nice way that I find such comments offensive? Love your show. Sincerely, M.
1: Oh, such a tough one because yeah. it's not going to stop. It's not going to – I mean, ask Dan and me and it's not, you know, Russia, but it's Vermont, so it's cold. It's maple syrup. It's pot. People joke about that too. <laughs> or like, you know, <laughs> nudist socialist colonies Republic and communes and, oh, <laughs> yeah. uh, you must be a hippie. Like, it's – Yeah.
0: <laughs> And, and I had a very similar discussion with Pooja the other night Yeah, <clears throat> about when, um, when people have trouble pronouncing a name mm-hmm. from another country. And um, oftentimes the instinct is to play with it a little bit, to try to have some fun with it. And in some ways I think that's uh, – it's, it's natural on one side of the equation to want to wanna use a little humor, to build some rapport mm-hmm. and, and maybe get through what's an awkward moment or even if it's not an awkward moment um, – uh, just as part of part of getting to know somebody, and it's yeah. hard to know exactly how that's going to be received. And I think this is a really good reminder that for some people, they hear that joke a lot, or they hear some version of that mm-hmm. joke a lot, and it's not always the easiest thing, as you were saying, for them to challenge that in the moment. In fact, the polite, the etiquette thing to do is to the thing it. that was mentioned right here in the, the that okay, you don't take it personal, you understand where it comes from, and yep. you pivot the conversation, and and that is that's, that's the, the good etiquette thing to do. answer. I wanted to take this one step further and raise the idea that I think it's important to have these discussions generally and that maybe in that moment isn't the time to have it. But if you have noticed this, that this is something that bothers you, have the discussion when your audience is going to have the time and the the attention to have it well. Mm-hmm. And and start to have this conversation other places. Have it on a podcast that's your favorite etiquette podcast. Have yeah. it at your next dinner party. And it doesn't need to be fraught. It doesn't need to be difficult, but you can raise it. And... How would
1: you bring it up? Get, let's go through some sample language just because it's tough. It's not easy to kind of imagine it. And to give it both the lightness that you want because you don't want people to think that you're, you're so um, – enraged about it or that it's it's so unbelievably offensive but you also want them to know but this isn't really like funny or it's not really like you know it's
0: i think you do it when the when the the opportunity arises yeah maybe in some other context the the where you've come from has come up naturally in a different way, or yeah. you're talking about your childhood, or you're talking about your experience as someone who's moved to the states as a new American. Uh, y- you take that opportunity to raise it. Boy, it's happening to me all the time right yeah. now. Every time I tell someone I'm from Russia, I get that Family Guy joke. And if yeah. I hear that one more time, I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna <laughs> jump up and down. I'm gonna ride a unicycle. <laughs> yeah. Um,
1: but you do it with a little bit of humor, I think. Like just like you just did. I think you have to you have to do it with a little bit of humor yeah. as I think when you I think if something was really, truly offensive, we would always want you to stand up for yourself with that, mm-hmm. um, you know, and if or if someone um, did make a joke about one of the real tragedies in Russian history or something, you know, mm-hmm. you can always, always combat that with, you know. That was really difficult for my family or that was a really hard time to have to watch my country go through or to learn if you weren't alive at the time that, that, you know, the tragedy happened to learn that my country had gone through. You know, that's that's one of the ones that weighs heavy on the Russian heart. You know, things like that are ways that when people undercut something that is actually really deeply personal to your your country and where you came from i always find that that's a good way to remind the person who's making the joke about it or making light of it that you know hey that was kind of a big deal
0: yeah it's a tricky topic cuz it gets to the heart of um of who we are and to constantly have uh, a, a distinction or a difference raised. Right. It can feel like someone's always pointing out your your difference or your otherness to, yeah. to use some of the language of the discourse, and th- that can that can accrue over time. and can start to be hurtful in a way that the particular moment doesn't always. It, yeah. it seems out of proportion. I think it's it's important for all of us to remember that that's going on. I was thinking about the the, the language of privilege Mm -hmm. and it it comes up often when you're having this type of of discussion and one of the the really important points to remember is that one of the the privileges that is often discussed is the the privilege of deciding when you have that dialogue or when you have that discourse and this person is being denied – that privilege of deciding when they get to talk about their origin or where they're from and in what ways they do it. I was going to
1: say more even just in how they get to talk about it. Yeah. Because he's the one saying like, oh, I'm from the old Soviet bloc. And so he's actually bringing it up. But then they're, you know, inexperienced with Russia. And so they go for whatever point they might be able to connect on, which is, you know, cold, vodka, (laughs) hey, I watch a lot of Family Guy. (laughs) Like it's, you know. At the end of the day, I think what Michael does understand is that he's he's frustrated because he does hear this so much, but that um, I, think he, I think he does understand that I don't think these people are trying to be rude. I don't think there's any malintention here. So I would invite you, Michael, to instead um, clue them into all the other great things about Russia and use it as an opportunity to talk about it. Say... You know, like when they say, it must be really cold over there, you can go, you know, it really is. But let me tell you, it makes for the most amazing... Whatever. I mean, summers
0: in so and so are incredible. You would never believe it. or (laughs)
1: it makes me really appreciate all the things that, you know, I love about living here because it's warm or, you know, yeah, it's really cold. But, man, I don't flinch in these, you know, wherever you're from winters, you know, find a way to kind of bring it back to the positive about it or. You know, like Dan was just saying, like, you wouldn't believe how beautiful this one place is, even though it is so cold or, you know, yeah, I love vodka and the stuff here just doesn't cut it. Like, you know, even that little dig and like, um, could be a nice one to get in or, um, you know, uh, well, with the family guy one, that's where I would get really shacky, imper- and I would just say something like I would just wind up saying something like, oh, do you get all of your cultural information from family Guy?" Like, but that's just me being, like, really feisty in a moment of, like, frustration. So I probably wouldn't do that. But I do think just just take heart that these people are just trying to say something and they don't really have anything to go with. And, you know, direct. I, I think what you're doing is the right thing to do accept the the comment, laugh it off and then pivot the conversation to what you'd love to talk about with them well we really hope that that helps and that um, hopefully you get a few few less Russian stereotypes coming your way in the near future Um, who knows, maybe you'll run into someone who's listened to the podcast (laughs) but best of luck to you Michael
0: you hear that? she says you're not as rude as you used to be what do you know? A great big thanks to everyone for sending in your questions. And remember, we love updates. If we answered your question on the show, or if you have a comment about one of our questions, feel free to send it in. You can also submit your next question to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com or send it in via Facebook or Twitter. Just use the hashtag awesomeetiquette so we know you want it on the show.
1: So we're doing a little bit of a break in our regular show for for something special. I, I got this email from a woman, and it wasn't a question, and it wasn't really a salute. But I just decided I had to share it. And I didn't want to take up a whole postscript to do it because I really want to talk about the children's etiquette in our postscript. So... This is just, I had to share this. Hello, Lizzie and Dan. I've only recently discovered your podcast, and I'm completely hooked. Thank you for sharing your etiquette wisdom. Several months ago, my husband picked up Emily Post's etiquette. I'm so hoping it's an 18th edition and not like a, a 15th edition, but, you know, it happens. <laughs> so that we could start teaching our young children, ages 7, 4, and 6 months old, proper etiquette as they grow. We occasionally read and discuss a section over the dinner table, and it has led to many wonderful conversations about how to behave and treat others. A while back, we covered the section on introductions and handshakes. We practiced introducing ourselves and each other and helped our older children to learn how to properly shake hands. Last week, I took my four-year-old son and his babysitter to the park. We were all alone until another family pulled up and a little boy around my son's age jumped out of their car. Excited at the prospect of a new friend, my son walked over, stuck out his hand, and said, Hi, I'm Jones. What's your name? It's so nice to meet you. Would you like to play with me? They grinned, shook hands, and spent the next hour playing together. I was one proud mama. Thanks for all you do. Sincerely, Kayla. I just thought that was so great. And after we had taught the children's etiquette program, I thought, what a great way to segue into our postscript today.
0: I'm just beaming. Isn't here. that wonderful? It's awesome. It's adorable <laughs> too. It is. And it's, it's like a, little kids do this. Well, and when <laughs> you sore. when you picture a little kid, you see how well it works? Yeah. It really is. These are such fundamental skills. You just walk over, give someone your hand. Hi, I'm Jones.
1: Dunno. Be my friend. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's so simple. How come it's not that Simple as an adult. Mm. It's so simple. And, you know, we spent a week teaching. um, Well, I wasn't really teaching, but participating in, you know, the children's etiquette train the trainer. And the, the trainers really do. You always get someone who at some point asks does it really work? Can you really teach this to a four-year-old? And this is such wonderful proof of that you can. You don't need to be an etiquette expert to do it. You just need to take the time to practice with your kids. We
0: thought this would be a great opportunity to share just a couple of the key points from our children's etiquette training. And so there were three real fundamental concepts I wanted to share. One, Cindy Senning calls it the golden rule of parenting. <laughs> and it's so simple. She says, be the parent that you want your kids to be. Yeah, We used to say model the behavior that you want to see. And then we decide, you know, it's really not something you can put on and take off again. Yeah. Your kids are watching you all the time. You're it. You're yeah, the model. Just be it. It's why it's such an awesome responsibility. It's why it's so scary and exciting and and everything that it is. And it really is the golden rule of parenting. Your kids are watching all the time. So the next thing from the, the parenting program that I that I really want to share is the ages and stages concept. And the Let's idea sounds so
1: cute. <laughs> ages and stages. All right, um, keep going.
0: Sorry. We, we, we we say no, no, what to expect and then expect it. Yes. And knowing what to expect of kids, um, it's really important to know where they're at in their social development that you can't expect a little four year old who's scared to come out from behind mom's knee to do this kind of a handshake. Right. A more precocious four year old, a four year old who's almost five who's ready to charge across the playground and say hi. To their friend, they're ready to learn that kind of self-introduction, yeah. so it's about knowing what to expect and what when to expect it. Um, we approach etiquette as social skills. These are fundamental social skills. And if you think about uh, the developmental stages that anybody goes through, there are certain social skills that are appropriate at certain ages and stages. So, so that's fundamental. And you got to think about where your kid's at and what skills are appropriate for them. And the final real tip I like to give parents has to do with how you communicate the principles of consideration and respect and honesty that Lizzie and I are always talking about being so important. And one of the things about that ages and stages approach is that there are ages and there are stages of kids' development where they're very concrete thinkers. So yeah. to help them out with a concept like consideration or respect or even honesty, although that's one that, that many kids have a pretty intuitive sense <laughs> of. of you lied. <laughs> you've got to give them really concrete examples. You've got to build scenarios and situations that they can understand. Talk to them about people in their lives. Talk to them about experiences that they have and situations that they find themselves in and, and build those concrete examples and situations so you talk to your kids you talk 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 to them you talk to them at the level that they're at but you keep talking to them and you talk to them like they're the people that you want them to be and they're going to turn into those people so what might that look like? Let's talk about a concrete example yeah. for talking to kids. One of the one of the, the most classic etiquette questions, how do I get my kid to write a thank you note? How do I get them invested in that? So Cindy Senning has a story that she tells to help kids understand the importance of a thank you note. She starts off with an example where she asks them to imagine themselves in an art class. And they've worked on a painting and they've spent a lot of time painting this painting. And you can really develop the example into whatever type of artwork that your kid likes to do and they spend some time on it, maybe they bring it home and show it to you and you tell them it's beautiful and you decide to frame it together and that they're going to send it to their favorite grandparent or their favorite uncle. And they spend some time, they wrap it up, they package it, you help them write the address on it and get the postage and take it to the post office and put it in the mail and you send it off and there can be some real uh, time spent developing the example so so that there's some anticipation built and you put it in the mail and off it goes. And then... Nothing no response, no reply, no word. You can ask your your child how they how that makes them feel and what they think they should do. Um, I'll tell you a little secret. Having done this example with a lot of different groups of kids, most groups of kids will volunteer that you should not send anything. <laughs> some groups will say, "Well, you should call and find out. Maybe they didn't get it. They probably didn't get it. What if it didn't get there?" And there's some concern about that. But kids can understand both the feeling of of a, a, a unfulfilled expectation that you hear something when you've taken the time to do something nice for someone, and also the concern that maybe something didn't work, that maybe all that effort was for nothing, and and, and those are the exact same feelings that grandparents feel when they send a gift that isn't replied to. And it can really help kids understand the importance of writing that thank you note. But instead of talking to them about how it's important to consider grandma, you build that example where they understand what it would feel like if someone didn't show them that same consideration. It can really, it can really tie that message together in a way that makes sense for someone that's not prepared to, to talk about consideration as an abstract concept yet.
1: With respect, it's like I think people worry about being able to talk to kids about consideration and respect. But, you know, consideration is that that thinking of others around you. And we we are teaching kids that all the time when we're saying, you know— that wasn't very nice. How would you feel if that happened to you? You know, those are the basic, the, the, the early understandings of, yeah. of consideration and, you know, respect. Kids learn at a very early age, even in preschool, of, you know, respecting materials. We don't break things. We don't damage them. You know, we respect someone's space. We don't draw on their drawing. You mm-hmm. know, these are the little the little kind of first introductions to consideration and respect that they get. And it always blows my mind that four-year-olds are able to understand this. And what's mm-hmm. funny is that adults, even adults with kids, forget that you can, you can talk about it and that you are building these foundations of etiquette into your child's life. But taking that moment, Dan keeps saying, talk, talk, talk.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Talking about it is reinforcing it by when an example of it happens, you know, like um, they say they're sorry. That's that's showing consideration and respect. And you can say that that was really respectful for you to, to, to say you were sorry to your sister for drawing on her drawing or, you know, Jaden, I love the fact that you um, offered your crayons to your sister because it showed that you understood that she might like them. And that was really sure. considerate of you. Mm-hmm. And those are the little ways that you can build consideration and respect into their daily vocabulary so that they can start getting the association there.
0: Three big tips, golden rule of parenting, know what to expect and then expect it, and think about how to translate those core principles of consideration, respect, and honesty into language that's going to make sense for your kids, whatever stage they're at. Social courtesy does pay, doesn't it? Thanks. We like to end each show by acknowledging all of the good etiquette that's going on out in the world with a little etiquette salute. Today's etiquette salute begins. Hello, Dan and Lizzie. First of all, I wanted to thank you both for your wonderful podcast. I love to listen to it in the morning as I'm getting ready for my day. I am writing to give an awesome etiquette shout out to my boss, Elizabeth. Elizabeth hired me straight out of college and has put a lot of time and effort into helping me get my professional career off to a positive start. The other day I noticed something that she has done consistently but I have always taken for granted. As she moves up in the company, I am taking on many responsibilities she once had. When these responsibilities involve communicating with someone I have not met, Elizabeth always takes the time to send an email of formal introduction to let them know that I will be their point of contact from then on. It is a relief that I don't have to awkwardly introduce myself during a business communication, and I'm sure my new business contacts feel like she has not forgotten them and are relieved that they don't have to make guesses about who they should contact. There are many, many other examples of Elizabeth's compassionate and considerate leadership, but I thought this was a good example of bringing old-school politeness into modern communication. She has been an ideal role model for me in this respect. I often hear about horrible bosses, and I am so grateful that I have a great one. All the best, Sammy. Sammy, thank you so much. We do hear a lot of complaints about bosses, and it's really nice to hear someone appreciating their boss for something that deserves some recognition. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. Well now, wasn't that better? Look at the effect of a little politeness.
1: Well, that's our show for today. As always, thank you for listening and spending some of your day with us. We hope you have a wonderful and polite rest of your week. And don't forget, there's no show without you. So send us your questions, your salutes, and your suggestions to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. And please, 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 if you like what you hear, subscribe to us on iTunes and leave us a review. You can also tweet about the show to all your friends and family or post it on Facebook. We would be so grateful. On Facebook, we're the Emily Post Institute. On Twitter, I'm at Lizzie A. Post.
0: And I'm at Daniel underscore Post.
1: Or you can visit our website, soon to be updated, at emilypost.com. Our theme music was composed and performed by Bob Wagner. And our show is edited and produced by Hans Futo.